you don't have that, I mean, if that, if you don't have that strong feeling, I think it's very hard today to to create any to create piece of art. I mean, that brings me, that I think in some way brings, should have answered the question why I moved from photography to film. If there's another question about that, uh, anybody else wants to ask a question about that? Well, is there a, a movement amongst young photographers, like there is certainly a movement amongst many painters that I know in New York, who, who want to at least part-time stop uh, painting and making films? Is there a similar sort of movement amongst photographers that they want to make films? So what do they do? They make films and they keep in can show up periodically. To other people who have films in can. Very, very hard to get away, at least for me, from 
what is there. So I don't want the, those of that struggling with it. I think Alex was asking, was saying that last night you, you um, said that you were assuming responsibility for the two films you showed us, that Chautauqua, you didn't feel that it was your film. No. That's not true. Yeah, so to say it's not my film because it's. Uh, I want to say a few words about uh, what, what I felt last night. Uh, I thought it was very nice, you know, to make this party, uh, you know, yeah, drinks and all that. And I was very uh, surprised at that room. I've never been here before. And, uh, that room with all the paintings. Are, are those real, those paintings? Alleged to be real. Yes, they are all accepted as masterpieces. They are collected by George Eastman himself. Uh, he didn't buy paintings by the yard, like so many rich people did. He had them sent on, studied them, lived with them, got his friend's reaction. And they've been hanging on the walls of Eastman House ever since he put them here. 
uh, and they house became after he died became the property university and they remained here and they still remain here although they don't own them. It's interesting that the collection is somewhat uh, uh, edited over the years from here many more pictures. Uh, these are the ones that uh, I Well, I, I was uh, very impressed by that uh, by that rule in a variety of ways, but uh, most of all is how it uh, showed me how things change. I mean, I copied down. Maybe I was a little bit drunk, but I copied down from one painting, I think it was the Rembrandt, there was the sentence uh, that he painted this when the Mayflower crossed the Atlantic. I don't know why I mentioned that, but it... I remember very well, I 
arrived here and it was just when your show closed uh, at the museum, the Tatya Prasad shop, it was 47. And that was uh, a very good instruction I got there. I don't remember any labels, but that Tatya Prasad show uh, made me, I mean, I, I suddenly saw that, uh, a different way of doing it. I used to photograph, uh, you know, cigar boxes with a big camera. So that's when I got the small camera and I uh, worked, started to work for Harper's Bazaar as a fashion photographer. And uh, I think I. I what, in a way, uh, saved me from, saved me, I don't know, maybe it would be better if I would have a big studio and make, would make a lot of money, which I, I think I, I could have done uh, after a few years working for the bazaar. But I didn't, uh, because I had the feeling that I could do something else. I, it's very hard to describe that. I had no teachers in that sense, I, I just saw possibilities. I wanted to try them and do them, and then that's how it, it goes. I am. But you mean, apart from acquiring a technical background, then, Can you say that again? Um, I guess I should. Um, um, apart from the, uh, the, the training, the formal training that you have, really was concerned with the technical aspects of the program. Is that correct? Yes. And then afterwards, once you have left this training, um, your eyes were open to other things other ways of seeing, other ways of using the And this wasn't part of your formal training at all. What I'm trying to get at here really is to, to understand, to, to, to see whether you felt that the training you had, the formal training you had as a photographer, uh, was only a partial training, whether it really prepared you to do the thing you, you finally wanted to do. Well, the formal training uh, as a photographer, <coughs> it helped me to get a job in practical terms. Without that, I couldn't have gotten a job at the bazaar. And uh, it, I think working with a big camera, it helped me to look at an object in a way that I could never look at an object without the camera. I mean, it, 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 that was. I think very important. I didn't realize it then. I, I just in retrospect, I, I think of what a, an incredible uh, training it is for the eye or the, the brain to, to you know look in the camera and, and uh, see a, a simple object, you know, a little bit higher, a little bit lower, how it changes. But I, I do. I mean, I wasn't conscious of it then. I was just trying to do a, a good job. But now I realize that it, it did help me a, a lot for uh, 
was coming after. And the other big change was the coming to America. If you come from a small country like Switzerland, where everything is very exact and very, uh, I mean, the rules are obeyed to the, yeah, that's the last word. And then I, I come here, and all of a sudden, I see that you can, you are free to do anything, really. That was a, that was a big change for me. And, uh, the, uh, I think the best criticism I, I ever heard about my photographs, the one I, I liked best was the Ishimoto photographer. He, uh, he saw my book and then he said to me, your pictures are always, uh, always uh, a little bit like this. You know, he said, as if you would never walk straight. You know, if you never could hold the camera straight. And I, I thought about it and I had my pic the pictures in the book. I certainly remember most of them. And I, I thought it was a very, uh, very good observation. And uh, I, I feel the same, I have the same idea when I look often at the Godard film that, uh, especially the photography he works with, there must be a very good team. And it, it is almost always like, uh, you know, he, he comes across the situation that is very immediate and you just can like get it by walking by or just get it at one time. And uh, I am a great admirer of Godard, of practically all his films, although I think a, a number of them don't mean very much, but uh, he has a, a very strong photographic quality, which I would like to have uh, in my uh, films. Maybe that answers well, it's very hard to talk. How long have I been talking? what's new, what's happening, how 
the room is turning, how the, the world is going. And I think that's what they get out of art, whether it is art or not. I think it's, it's, it's not that important. I think whether it is good or, or bad, it isn't even that important. As long as it, uh, it represents the, the turning of the, the, the room we are in. I am not like this. I'm much more traditional. I would like to make something good that is art, but I, I uh, see the importance of that other direction, which is more and more uh, visible and stronger and stronger. I mean, you think of pop songs, you know how they. You know, they, they change. I mean, they, they. Well, I went to, to hear some guy from California in New York. And all he made is an incredible amount of noise. But, you know, people paid $6 to go and hear it. And it, it, it was just, you know, that was that for that evening. And then they hear Dylan sing. Or it's, it, it, the expression today of, I mean, the how artists express the, the, the world they live in today is goes at a fantastic rate, and I don't have that rate, but I, I would like to still be be part of it. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's uh, it often bothers me a great deal that, that you know I'm really not a you know, what's called a pop artist. So I don't even particularly like most of what goes on. But I uh, yeah, what you said I thought was interesting about the song when you saw Andy kind of gave you a new way of seeing well, I, I was I was uh, like 24 then, and uh, that was very new to me. I think I just realized intuitively that that was that was very real. That was a very that, that was just for photography then. That was the the, the best you you could see. That was. Uh, And uh, that influenced me, and then I got to know uh, a lot of painters in New York, abstract painters like uh, you know, Motherwell or the Kooning and Pollock, and they influenced me in, uh, in you know, I was uh, like your age then, and I was very impressed by people who were obsessed or possessed by the things they wanted to do, no matter how crazy I saw them, like painting my Pollock, I was absolutely amazed. I never seen anything like that. And I was I certainly didn't understand it. I didn't even really think about what he was trying to do. But the fact that this guy was going to go on and express what was in his mind was uh, 
was terrific for me to see. I'd never come in contact with, with people like that. I never knew they existed in Switzerland. So that's, and I think for young people, it, it can be of, of great help. I mean, to me, that, that would be a hundred times more instructive to hear somebody, you know, like a great painter, talk or, you know, about his work or so, that would be of great value. Yeah. Um, I realize this is a big question. Number of honest answers, I guess, you could. But uh, on the basis then of your response to, to Brassans and that, that thing that you have to respond to Brassans, uh, you feel that was more real, let's say, than the turning room? It was more real than what? Than, than the turning room that you see about California State. Well, then I wasn't aware of, of the, the turning room, you see. Then it, it always changes. I cannot talk. Uh, well, is there a photographer now or a body of work now that does that to you? But you see, then, that was the only one. There was no other one, really. Whereas now, there, there are, you know, you, you see this exhibition here, there are five or six guys in there. There are five other guys in Chicago, and there are 20 other guys in California. I mean, now it comes at the rate that is, uh, is almost impossible to, to uh, digest. That's what the critics are for. They'll, they'll catalog you. But that, that whole thing, your relationship to it, Yeah, well, 
Yeah, well, it takes a long time to find out why one does something. Well, one of the things it does, uh, is feedback to myself. So, uh, you said last night to express yourself. Pardon? You said last night the reason you do it is to express yourself. I didn't get you. Last night you said that the reason you do it is to express yourself. Now, you put, you put a very great Yeah, well, that's an easy thing to say, really. I want to express myself. That, but then also last night, uh, somebody asked me, uh, what is the most important thing when I make a movie? Just like that. But what would be the most important thing when I start? And I said, to know what you have to say. I mean, I assume that everybody here wants to express himself. I mean, a child does it. So, but it, it really takes uh, some time to know what you want to express and to be sure about that. that that's a very difficult, uh, you know, a very difficult thing to arrive at. It was for me very much because, and that's just the difference between like that pop thing about. All he wants to do is make noise. He's well paid for it. And it's, it's loud. They can sing very well. It's not too good, but it's it express it is expressing today without being specific about it. There's no other idea behind. It's just like a pop artist will paint a microphone, you know, uh, and it's. I mean, I, I think it's valuable, but I, I don't think it's it's very important. I, I think the, the guy isn't is sort of stupid in a way, but that's I mean, simple-minded, but that's sufficient to hang in the Museum of Modern Art, and I don't, I don't object to that. I think that's part of our time, but I'm I'm not like that. I don't want to be like that. So what happens to Cartier Bresson then, where he said? That when you saw him, that was the best there was, and now either there are other things. But then what happens to Cartier Bresson? I mean, like, you know, you were ready for him to say so. I mean, you, you'd be, I mean, it's it's all there. Uh, but but is but is there no relevance of Cartier Bresson to now to the present or? When I see some of his photographs, I am disappointed. I think they're weak, they're, they're poor, they're, they're bad. But is, it, is, this, is this just a change of time? I mean, is it just that he's been used up more now? Well, when I speak of the photographs that he produces now, I think it has to do with him as an artist. I think he's not the same artist anymore. He doesn't have it anymore. It's, yeah. <coughs> okay, that's possible. What happens to once, you know, that he did then? Well, they I think they, then? They, they still, um, I, I, I didn't feel exactly the same about them. Now, when I look at him, I, I look at the photographs now, but, uh, about them now when I look at him, I, I look at the photographs now, but uh, in a way it would even be better now if I look at these old photographs. I sometimes do and I'm 
I'm very impressed by them. I think they are, they are, they are perfect. They are without, I mean, he didn't miss. It's all there. It's well chosen. <coughs> it, it's, it's a perfect, you know, that's what he expressed and you. Then, then why is your friend about the first day's Well, first of all, uh, Rembrandt is a great deal older than Claudio Bresson. And, uh, well, I understand more about photographs than I understand about paintings, but uh, I think there's some kind of false respect for, for like, you know, why should I... I mean, I didn't like that Rembrandt. I didn't like any of the paintings in that room there. But I mean, that just—it seemed to me, uh, for me personally, I, I I found it all wrong to to that through museums and everybody is uh, or schools. Everybody is 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 made aware that Rembrandt is the greatest painter of, you know. I mean, I, I don't think that's so important. So can you, maybe you're saying that, maybe they're saying that when you were in there, you couldn't possibly look at the pictures, because there's something in the way, which is, which is the whole prestige of the situation. Then, no, I try to be very clear about that. <coughs> I, it might be very stupid, I might be uh, wrong, but that's how I feel about it. I can't, uh, if you come back to Berlin uh, and uh, refer to uh, say, Pullman Higgins to Bedard uh, films, uh, it seems to me in the Bedard films, most of them, there's this depiction of, of violence, uh, and in a, in a manner in which uh, violence is, uh, is held not only very tragic, but uh, very, very real, very important. Whereas in, in Pull My Daisy, you say the violence you wish to fight, the, the fights or conflict between the husband and wife, uh, somehow we're not uh, tragic. They fit more into the, the entire span of everything else that happened. They didn't were climactic. They didn't really end anything. Uh, violence didn't seem to be such a great preoccupation on my days or seeing with you. And would you agree with this distinction between Godard and you? Well, Godard is a different class. But uh, he has his own hangouts, and, and I think one of them is certainly his violence. He's obsessed by, by, by that. I mean, he, uh, it's in all his films, and I think it's, it's good. I mean, I, I don't subject to it. Certainly enough violence going on around me to think about it. Mr. Newhall? Well, I uh, wanted just to fill in <coughs> on the discussion of Captain Persson. To this group, <coughs> I think we look upon Captain Persson as a father of a living old master. The uh, climate that you will bear out in 1947, when his first major exhibition in New York, should be considered in this discussion. 
Katia Bussmann was known to a very small circle of people indeed before 1947. It was shown at the Julian Weaver Gallery together with Walter Evans around 1935 or 6. Uh, he was known by this small group, Lincoln Kirstein, Julian Levy, uh, some of the editors, uh, and uh, his work was published in U.S. Camera Magazine, one French one and everybody else's. Uh, then came the war, and we at the museum wanted to, we wanted to have a happy of us on show because we were much impressed. And uh, we couldn't find him during the war. The rumor was that he was dead, he was killed. And we uh, gathered up miserable friends that had an article in Minicare magazine where his friends had been actually cut up into holes and keystones, cut out from the corners and so forth. And these miserable things, Jim Sobey, the most brilliant critic, not real good, no longer active. But Saturday uh, had a small collection. And we tried to get things together, and then happily we discovered that he was alive, that he had escaped and was in the French underground, and we made contact with him through Chimp, his friend and co-founder with uh, the other two of Magnum. This was the situation when this exhibition was put on. Captain Brisson was not known by the majority of people. Life magazine, this was so far out that Life magazine said, look, Glenn Clint, personality art director, had a little business on speaking to pictures. And they said, look, Bernie, we don't know what this stuff over there is all about. Uh, perhaps you can squeeze it in to the, to the, uh, to the speaking of pictures section. Perhaps you can squeeze one in an odd reflection shot or something. This is what the editors of Life Magazine said. This exhibition took place. And then uh, Katia Besson was asked to join the staff of Life, which she didn't do. The impact of this exhibition was a terrific thing in 1947. There was a whole fresh outlook after the war. In all fields, people began to pick up once again the things, threads of their life work, which had been cut off and dropped by the terrible business of the war. So looking at a Katia Bresson and looking at a Rembrandt, looking at Katia Bresson in 1947 and looking at a Rembrandt on the walls of East Manhattan today are utterly different experiences. And such an experience as this first Katia Bresson show. Uh, and one of the reasons that this show was so exciting I can speak again out of our is that we had this tremendous desire to show this man's work. The man arrived, came, we met him on the first day, and an interview took place that must have lasted six hours, which all the myths about Katya Bisson that this little coterie had had were immediately smashed in his own words. It was thought that this was actually, so we call this, the art of the poetic accident. It was thought that he walked along the street with a pre-focused light, just shooting and doing here and there, and then out of the mass of things came these extraordinary. He showed us in his contact prints that in the split second, 
he had gotten the whole frame, and hence his insistence upon those problems, because of this legend that it's all accidental, that it's all kind of mystic, and so forth. And this first walk he did, this show a tremendous spark by Teller. And uh, this is very out what Bob says about he is interested in the art of the moment that's going on today. And here it was, absolutely. We look at Captain song now in an entirely different way. Excuse me, I'm not sure what I thought well, I, you said. But I, I must uh, say that for me, if I my eye finds something to look at. I don't make any difference what it is. I don't see the difference why I should look differently at Dr. Bresson and differently at Rembrandt. I don't think so. I don't think you should at all. But I do think that at the time, you first saw Dr. Bresson, there was a little different situation than looking at an old master, but he's not an old master at that time. That's all I'm trying to say. He's not recognized. It was modern art. That is not looking at, it's not being told that this is the So, what kind of things are being done? But then, what is that? What is that? What is that? It seems to me that there are certain artists who manage to capture qualities that are enduring for centuries. Uh, 
I can say to him, he's right, and I would say to you, you're right. I wouldn't. I am, uh, I am really uh, separated from my work. Once it's out, I don't. I, I, I just am through. Why didn't you want session to write for you? Pardon? Why didn't you want session to write for you? Because I think Deshin is an insult to, uh, you know, to be talked about by somebody that's totally incompetent as a critic. How is it less incompetent than uh, Well, he writes for a newspaper that's read. I mean, his, it, it's written down and it goes to a, you know, a lot of people who read it. So I, I tried not to be uh, talked about by somebody that I considered incompetent. I probably wouldn't do it now anymore because it isn't worth the effort. I do go through a great deal of effort to have my book reviewed by, not by Deshin. It was very difficult and uh, I don't think I would do it again. It isn't that important really. I'm still supposing we didn't have access to the New York Times same response to this, but what would happen here? Well, I can't, uh, see, I, Dash and I knew it's different. I don't know anybody here, really, so how could I object? But with him, I knew he was going to write about it, and I objected because I knew him. I, I, I had strong feelings about that. Uh, if, uh, in other words, someone could be wrong when they interpret or when they respond to your photograph. Well, I, I think I better capitulate. I, I, I was wrong. I should have let him write about it. I, I really think that now. But you care how people react to work, don't you? You care what they do or not. Say that again. You care whether or not people react to your work. You care. I care. Way. I care a lot, but I, I, I am not uh, entering into into um, a dialogue about that. I mean, I, I, okay. But I, I think probably it, it, I, I should have let him write about it because it wouldn't have made any difference. That the review I got, it was reviewed by. Some of the guy gave me a good review, but it didn't make any difference. Why didn't it make any difference? Well, because the book was put on remainder right away, anyhow. So. Yes. That's a, uh, you'll find that good reviews do not help the author anyway. I have thought some of my best books are from reviews, some of my inboxes uh, uh, are financial.
other words, that had been planned uh, earlier, actually, rather than a substitution later on. As, uh, no, it had, it had been planned uh, earlier. I mean, I, I wanted it translated. So it has a more logical relation, perhaps, to, to the pictures than to the French. Uh, Uh, actually, the, uh, Kerouac wrote another introduction, a shorter one, and I think a better one, and that one, Grove Press refused. Uh, and I had a very hard time getting Kerouac to write another one because he doesn't want to. What was the chance of ever seeing what Walker uh, Evans wrote? Uh, I I think part of it was published in, in U.S. Canada. Was that, that was it? That was that part yeah. 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 It is in print somewhere, partially. Yeah, it's partially. Part of it is in the, my history. Are you quoted? That's all. Yeah, uh, paragraph. Very, very. It was so good. Yeah. Okay, now that I got that statement, uh, about the, the, form, the form of the book itself, sequencing of the structure of it uh, was, see, I, I got very excited you know, about the book we, we talked about it a long time ago uh, in bringing the sequencing of the pictures together with the structure of the book itself. And uh, I wondered whether or not you stood this as any relationship to, to a developing interest in, in film. You know. um, no. You didn't at that time. No. I, uh, I didn't think at all at that time. But, uh, I, I had, the way I remember it, the, the book was, I think, three sections, and each section started as an American flag. And the, the French editor and then subsequently also the American edition uh, didn't use that. That meant three more pages or something. And also the French editor took out two, two or three pages. Could you describe the pictures that you had after? Well, one was, I think, a picture of a a graveyard. I got very interested in graveyards. And he, said, he said there were too many pictures of graveyards, so he took that one. Uh, there was a picture of a, of a girl, what do you say, cowgirl on a horse, and she was very mean looking, and for some reason it offended his sensibilities. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I forgot there was one more. That there were only three French editors. What did you say? There were only three French publishers. Yeah. Um, when I was working on the book, uh, I had a loft in, in New York and had all the pictures set up on the wall. I was laying it out, and at that time, uh, Cartier-Bresson was in New York. And he was with Magnum, and uh, at that time, uh, John Morris was with Magnum, and 
they had they had asked me if what I thought about joining Magnum, and then uh, they said they would come down and look at my pictures. So I remember Cartier Bresson and, and Kappa and John Barry. Two or three other photographers came down and looked at the pictures. And uh, John Morris uh, said to me, you never, <laughs> if all your pictures are, are like this, uh, horizontal, you never uh, photographed vertically. And he said, you're aware of this if you uh, want to make a living, that the, the page, you know, when you photograph a magazine, you it would be much better to have them this way, which uh, really put me off. <laughs> I'm reminded of this because a young photographer saw me just before I left uh, Danny Lyons, and uh, he was asked to join Magnum, and he asked me what I thought about it. And, uh, I uh, thought of the reasons why I, I didn't join them, or they didn't want me, because I. Uh, I did some commercial work, but not just enough to keep my family and myself sort of going. But uh, to join Magnum would have meant I'd have to give, uh, I think it was like 35% or 40% of the earnings to them. So I would have to do a great deal of commercial work to, to make up for the percentage, which they probably could have gotten me. I'm glad I didn't do it because I think it is it, it is uh, killing for a photographer to be forced to go out and work commercially, you know, every day, you know, a lot. It's, it's very hard to take. I think I said that before. So a number of photographers, young photographers that I know in New York, are sort of in a similar position, and uh, it, it is for me a. Uh, Sort of very sad to see uh, Magnum and what they do and what they represent. It's, uh, I mean, they started out sort of on a very lofty note, they were trying to really do something for photographers or for photography, and I, I don't think it, it worked that way, and I, I wonder if it can work that way in any group like that. I think that is a big problem in, in photography, how to balance the commercial aspect of it and the purely artistic uh, line of it. I mean, how, how can a photographer make a living by, by showing in museums or with a book even? It's a, it's a very big problem, and, and I find that making films in some strange way it is easier to get money <coughs> for me for that to make films than to get money to, to photograph from somewhere i don't know how it is now i got the guggenheim for two years so that was a, a big help that permitted me to make the book but other than that i have never gotten uh, well i sold some photographs today to the museum, it's a very low price then, but uh, to go around and, and get money just to photograph seems it, it, it 
very difficult to get support. I don't know how, how do people do it, if they, how, how they keep themselves alive. But there's a film, uh, I can always show a piece of my unfinished film to people who are interested in backing films in New York, and that's how I got the money. I show a piece and then they invest some money in, it, in your company. It would be hard to get anybody to invest in, I think, a show I would pre be preparing for a, a museum. I haven't tried it. When someone, as you just mentioned, invests uh, some money in a, a film project, is this an investment because they expect a return? In other words, when your film is done, will it be shown in some commercial way? It's half and half. So, so that they will get a return of their money? Some some expect a return, some do it for friendship, some uh, want to be involved in something artistic. But most of them that give a substantial amount of money do expect some return. They must expect this then because there is at least some kind of chance that there's a return. So your films then are shown uh, theaters uh, and you get some kind of a return for it. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, in the Rose Art Museum's uh, American social landscape thing or whatever they did, you know, where they showed your photographs and Freelander uh, and some other he showed some photographs that he said were taken more recently of yours with uh, the gray border around and made a large thing out of the Great Border. I was interested in when those photographs were made and whether the Great Border really was as significant as this guy made it out. Have you seen that catalog? Yeah. Well, the, the, those pictures were the last pictures I took on my own, really. Uh, I think they were made in 1959, 60, maybe. Maybe earlier. I, I, I have great significance.